Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Money Ed Podcast. Money Ed is an education platform for young adults who want to better understand personal finance and gain greater confidence in managing their money. Each week we'll address the important topics within personal finance that really matter to you in an informative yet easy to listen to approach. The best way to improve your personal finance is through education and we want to provide a place where you can learn outside of the classroom, office or lecture hall. What's going on guys? So this the week's show and actually today's show is quite an unplanned show but one I thought that was really really important for me to put out there because it's something that is obviously on our agenda at the moment but also something that we really should be thinking about uh, so yeah this show is all about the coronavirus and you know so how the show is going to work is the first half is going to talk about the virus you know what it is um, the impact it has had so far and I'm really just going to look at this basic like the facts and evidence I'm not going to try and speculate or anything I'm not going to give any opinion it's simply going to be providing you guys with the facts and hopefully dispelling any myths or like worries you may have around it because there's a massive there's a mass load of misinformation currently surrounding it so I want to try and um, minimize that for you guys and then the second half of the show is going to be about what the monetary podcast is about is our personal finance and more specifically how the coronavirus is going to impact our personal finance so i'm going to get straight into it but before i do i just want to reassure you as i said that this show is going to be as impartial as possible especially the first part of it you know everyone has a different view on the current political and, ec- and economic response provided by governments and global institutions and people will disagree on what's right and what's wrong but i'm not going to talk about that or I don't want to give opinions. Here at the Money Tree Podcast, we want to give you the cold hard facts and evidence about the virus. You know, this information provided and the data provided is based on what has happened so far and what the current response is. I'm not going to try and predict what's going to happen because realistically, nor me nor no one else in the world really knows where this could go and what, what this really could become. We really are in a period of genuine uncertainty. With this in mind, the information has been researched from various global and national institutions and I will list all of my sources whenever I quote specific figures. And again guys, as always, if you're interested in what you've heard and you want to find out more information, get in touch with us at the Monetary Podcast. I'll share my our email and social media accounts below and if you have any questions on what I've spoken about so far, you can get in touch with us. And finally, guys, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate your review, especially on this show. You know, this is a really important show for many people, and hopefully it can help provide a lot of information and support for people who, you know, are quite worried at this time. So if you find found this information useful and this show useful, you know, leave us a review, you know, let the public know what it's about, and, and yeah, hopefully they'll be able to benefit from it. And again, we can just help a wider range of people. But anyway, let's get straight into the thick of it and look at some data. So guys, as of 9am this morning, the 12th of March 2020, the World Health Organization has labelled the coronavirus outbreak as a pandemic. Officially, a pandemic is a disease that is spreading in multiple countries at the same time. But what is the extent to the spread? So these are the global statistics taken from the John Hopkins University website, who have been tracking... Uh, the number of cases since the first outbreak effectively so again as of nine all the stats are as of nine o'clock this morning so there are currently 126,344 total confirmed cases of those global cases reported 93% of those are from four countries only the current fatality count is is at 4,636 That includes 3,046 in China, 331 in Italy, 354 in Iran, and 61 in Korea. And then, of course, within other countries, there are lower stats. But those are the four countries with the highest amount of deaths so far. The recovery count for this disease is currently at 68,288. So that gives us both a fatality rate of 3.59%, but also a recovery rate of 54.68%. 
The World Health Organization has also noted that the number of cases outside China have increased 13-fold in just two weeks. And they labelled this an alarming rate at which the disease is spreading. So more looking at the UK specifically, as of the 10th of March, so as of two days ago, 26,261 people have been tested in the UK, of which 25,888 have been tested negative. As of the 11th of March, so yesterday, 456 people were tested positive for coronavirus. This is an 11-fold increase of the number of cases in one week. Sadly, we have seen six deaths due to coronavirus, and of course, our thoughts and prayers are with the family and friends who have lost loved ones due to this virus, and also with people who are who will inevitably lose their life going forward. Of those six deaths, all six were elderly people with underlying health conditions. Unfortunately, these are the people who are most at risk of experiencing severe conditions and who are most risk of death from the virus. The issue with this coronavirus at the moment is we are seeing lots on news and social media now, which I believe is making this whole situation very confusing for a lot of people. Events are being postponed, people are being sent home from work, panic buying is going on. So there is a lot that can make people worry and, you know, give people a lot of anxiety. In times of difficulty like this, it is important to listen to institutions and to remain calm. But what, ha- what information have our government given us on the virus and what should we do? So first we're going to just tackle what the actual virus is. So coronaviruses are a family of viruses common across the world in animals and humans. The, co- the coronavirus we're currently experiencing, COVID-19, is an illness infecting humans with a new strain of coronavirus not previously seen in humans. Current evidence shows that symptoms of COVID-19 include a cough, a high temperature, and in severe cases, shortness of breath. The virus is believed to spread through water droplets passed from someone who is infected to someone who is not, but this is not 100% confirmed. Generally, you catch the virus via these water droplets from being in close contact with someone who has the virus. But how do we define close contact? Close contact with a confirmed case means living in the same house, contact with their bodily fluids, face-to-face contact, for example, talking for more than a few minutes, being coughed on, or being within two metres of the person for more than 15 minutes. These are the main ways that COVID-19 has passed between humans. So if you're looking to avoid catching it, which obviously a lot of us are, it would be advised to limit the amount of time spent with people who could have the virus and, you know, you know, avoiding this close contact as advised by the government. COVID-19 is a new virus and one that we haven't experienced before. So it's understandable there is a lot of, you know, unknown about it and people are hesitant to believe what they read online. It is true that the annual influenza epidemics result in a higher case of illness and a higher, num- and a higher number of deaths. Like that is true. The World Health Organization estimates that annual figures include 3 to 5 million cases of severe illness and 250 to 500,000 deaths caused by influenza. But the issue with COVID-19 is that the infectivity of it is and transmission of it is much greater than that of influenza. Other researchers and professionals suggest that the virus could actually be worse than influenza. Dr. Fauci I hope I pronounced that right. The, an American immunologist and the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in the USA suggests that COVID-19 could be 10 times more deadly than influenza. Of course, this is a suggestion and is not based on facts, but this does highlight the impact it could possibly have compared to other diseases. You know, looking at other diseases that we've experienced previously, You know, Ebola virus had 28,642 cases, of which there were 11,310 deaths. That's a 39% fatality rate, and that is pretty shocking. But the thing with the Ebola virus is that the reason it, um, you know, became less of an issue is because so many of the cases were dying that it could not be passed on. Now, I know that's quite bleak, but that's simply how transmission slowed down is that whenever people got it, the likelihood was that they they passed away. And also it was mainly contained to Africa. Another virus that's really common in the world is dengue fever. 
also known as the dengue virus. You know, cases last year increased to 3,312,040, but the fatality rate was less than 1%. So, you know, I'm just trying to give you an idea of how COVID-19 compares to some of the viruses we experience annually. So while is it, while it is understandable that a lot of people argue these diseases infect more and kill more, the rate of transmission of COVID-19 gives it the potential to infect many more people. So the risk of the virus spreading so extensively is due to a number of factors. First, there is widespread lack of immunity. So as this is a new virus, and because there is not effective, an effective vaccine available yet, we're really unable to prevent it. Therefore, everyone is susceptible to catching the disease. There is no one currently who is immune to the disease. Furthermore, COVID-19 is an asymptomatic virus. Now, I'm sure many of you guys would have heard that that word bounded around before. So I just want to kind of give you guys a bit of help as to what it actually means. So an asymptomatic virus means, or when a virus is asymptomatic, it means that a patient, while being the carrier of the virus, can still pass it on to another person having not shown any symptoms. It is believed that the patients can carry the virus, specifically COVID-19, for 10 to 12 days before showing symptoms. So this means within that period that you can have you can pass the virus on without even knowing you have it. So that's why it's so dangerous. Also, the virus's transmission is a lot higher than the, that of the common influenza. Scientists measure how easily a virus can spread through what's called the basic reproduction number, also known as an R0 number. It estimates the average number of people who can catch the virus from one person. So COVID-19 has an R0 number of between 2 and 3, according to the Journal of American Medical Association, or JAMA, review study, published February the 28th. This means that essentially one person can pass it to three people, those three people pass it to another three people, and you know those three people can pass it to each to another three people, so on and so forth. Essentially, what it means is that the number of cases increases at the rate of cube. So 1, 3, 9, 27, 81, 243, etc. The influenza, the common influenza, is known to have an R0 number of 1.3, significantly lower. So by the same number of transmissions, COVID-19 could have passed to 243 people, whereas the influenza would only pass to 6 people. So that just shows you the rate at which this uh, this virus is, you know, infecting people and transmitting. As stated, of those affected, some will show no symptoms, and early data suggests that the great majority of people will have mild to moderate but self-limiting illnesses, similar to flu. In a small number of cases, the disease will cause complications severe enough to require hospital care, and the main risk of these complications increase as you become older and or you already have underlying health conditions. And that's something that's commonly heard in the media. For young adults, so for most of us listening to this show, illness is less common and particularly is rare for people under the age of 20. But as I said before, elderly people and people who are already ill are, you know, most at risk. And this includes if you're young and you're ill, you know, if your immune system is compromised, you are at risk. So you do have to take extra care. Likewise, young children and babies are also susceptible to this disease and it can have and it can cause severe illness if not treated. There is also the possibility that the, 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 this virus may come in multiple ways through other forms of the virus caused by mutation. This has already been seen in Wuhan in China, where the virus originated. It is believed that there are two strains of the virus, one more aggressive strain, which was originally seen in Wuhan, but has now mostly dissipated. The second strain of COVID-19 is the one that is affecting most of the the rest of the, the world. It's therefore adamant that we remain on high alert and ensure we are ready to act in the in the case of this happening, especially if a stronger strain of a virus comes along and we have to take further measures. So now that we've spoken a little bit about what the virus is, why it transmits, and kind of the main attributes and causes of it, let's have a look at what the government has suggested in terms of travel and self-isolation. 
The following guidance is given by the UK Chief Medical Officer and supported by the government. So it's official information that's been provided. So as of the 11th of March, if you've travelled anywhere from Italy since the 9th of March, if you've travelled from Hubei in China, which is a region in China, if you've travelled from Iran, if you've been to South Korea, including Daegu, Chengdo and Gion Gusan, I don't know how to pronounce that. In the last, if you've been to any of those places in the last 14 days, you need to self-isolate, which means staying indoors, you know, at home, in your room at uni for 14 days. And this is regardless of whether you're showing symptoms or not. You know, you have to self-isolate. You also need to self-isolate for 14 days if you have a cough, a high temperature or shortness of breath and you have been to the following countries in the last 14 days. So I'm just going to list the countries. Italy, mainland China, South Korea, Cambodia, Hong Kong, Japan, Laos, Macau, Malaysia, Myanmar, Singapore, Taiwan, Thailand or Vietnam. If you're unwell and showing symptoms and you have been to any of these places in the last 14 days, call 111. Do not go into hospitals and GP centres. That is one thing that has been reiterated on the news and I'm going to excuse me, I'm going to reiterate again, do not go into hospitals or GP centres. By doing this, you're putting other people at risk and and the chances are you'll most likely be sent away and you won't be treated there. I think it's also quite important to note that as of 9am this morning, or, you know, as of this morning on the 12th of March, the US government have banned all travel to and from Europe. That includes 26 countries, but excludes the UK and Ireland. So currently, the UK and Ireland citizens, we can still fly to and from America. However, the rest of mainland Europe is not allowed. I'm not actually entirely sure why they've allowed the UK to continue travelling and ban the rest of Europe. Uh, But that's just the information that's been provided for us as of this morning. So now that we've looked at travel, let's have a look at what the government have suggested for what we should do on a day-to-day basis. So as many of you know, the government response plan to COVID-19 includes includes four main steps. The first one was contain. So now this means detecting early cases, following up on contacts, preventing disease taking hold in the country as a whole. The second phase is delay, which means... And the main aim of it is to slow the spread in within the country if the virus does take hold. This means lowering the peak impact and, you know, pushing it away from the winter season. So trying to push the main damage of the virus into the summer season where hopefully, you know, flus and, you know, the flu and viruses like this are generally weaker. The third phase is research. So to better understand the virus, to you know, in, create innovative responses and also to improve models of care. And the fourth response is to mitigate. So to provide the best care possible for ill people, to support hospitals, to ensure ongoing support for ill people in the community is continued and so on. As of 9am this morning, we are still in the containment phase. However, there is very strong reason to suggest that, the, that we'll be moving to the delay phase later today. This phase includes social distancing, so the closure of large institutions, schools, universities, etc. And also limiting large social gatherings. So for example, that could be, you know, large football sports fixtures. As of recording this, so it's currently 9.55, it was not announced that this was happening. So we are, as I said, we are currently still in the containment phase. However, by the time you've listened to this, we may have entered this, the new delay phase. So stay alert and just keep an eye on the news and what they suggest. What can we do on a day-to-day basis? Well, obviously you've seen Boris Johnson and the government, you know, promoting washing hands and singing happy birthday. And I think that's really important, obviously. It's important just to just remain hygienic, full stop. Just, you know, just really, if you're, if, if you, if you know, you don't wash your hands as frequently as you should do, then, you know, get in the habit of doing that. And likewise, just be, be more alert, be more aware of people and what you, where you're, where you're putting your hands, you know, touching your face, etc. You know, another session is, you know, to get your information from trusted sources or sources in which the information is backed up by trusted sources. So, you know, I, the information we've gathered has all been based on, uh, 
institutional research and institutional evidence uh, provided by the government and other medical institutions. So that is trusted. Um, Barry on Twitter, who's saying that the virus isn't real, is not a trusted source. So just, you know, be again, be sensible about where you find your information. Again, check and follow travel advice. That can be found on the government website. So they're always updating where the best places and what the best uh, thing things to do are regarding your travel. And also check up and monitor your elderly friends and family and also just your friends and family in general. Make sure they're okay and make sure uh, they're all safe. And again, following these measures, being hygienic and just keeping up to date with the information provided. Again, uh, if you do have any worries or concerns and you want to find out information, uh, call 111. You know, I would really seriously suggest, uh, advise and suggest not, sorry, I wouldn't advise it. I would suggest not going to hospitals. And, you know, if you feel you may have a, the virus or you feel you've got symptoms of the virus, especially do not leave your house, you know, call 111 and they will come and test you and you'll be able to find out quicker that way. And again, finally, guys, just use common sense. Be sensible. You know, check for, check for updates, check for advice on managing COVID-19 as a whole. Um, also, one thing I want to address is the issue with face masks. Um, there is a massive uh, spread of misinformation surrounding face masks and their effectiveness of preventing infection. So there is no evidence that face masks prevent you from contracting the virus the virus can actually pass through your eyes and also it can pass in viral particles called aerosols that can actually fit through the through your face mask so even if you're wearing a face mask the chance you are while you're limiting the the extent to which you can catch the virus and it can be transmitted to you there is no evidence that it prevents it 100% the masks are mostly effective for health and social care workers looking after patients and they're also recommended for families who are looking after family members who with who are confirmed cases however it's suggested and said that masks will make little to no difference if you're walking around town or if you're on public transport so just bear that in mind another thing i know a lot of us won't be doing it because we're young and we're relatively sensible but another issue is stockpiling and all I would say is just don't do it. It is so unnecessary. Like there are, the government have said there are strategic stockpiles of important medicines, protective equipment and food that we have ready to deploy if things do get bad. But realistically, they probably won't get bad. And also stockpiling is just so selfish. Like it minimizes the available products for other people and for people who are more at risk. You know, elderly and sick people already can't get to the shops because they're unwell or they're immobile. So when they do go to the shops, all the people who have stockpiled have just taken everything they need. You know, you're seeing all the, this, the craze about hand sanitizers and uh, how they've gone up in price massively. And I saw, a, I saw a news article yesterday that said that a kind of a toilet roll manufacturer had sold triple the number of toilet rolls that they usually would have sold at this time last year. And it's just people like I've again I've I've heard people buying some some guy texted into a news show saying that he admitted that he bought fifty loo rolls in one like in one go like who you don't need fifty loo rolls like, like corona coronavirus doesn't make you shit any more than you usually would and you don't need fifty loo rolls to wipe your nose like just just like be sensible come on like. If that is you, I think you really need to just have a look at yourself in the mirror because there is simply no need for it and it's just selfish and it just takes away from other people and it's just quite inconsiderate. So don't stockpile. That's all I'm going to say. Don't stockpile. You know, and as I said, one more, like last thing, like the government has advised us to carry on living as normal as of currently when I'm recording this. If they go into the delay phase, that will slightly change. This means... Currently, this means we're still going to university, we're still going to work, we're still con- continuing our daily lives as, no- as normal. Of course, like many people will already be taking additional measures, you know, like washing your hands more, being more hygienic. But so far, the advice is to carry on as usual. If that changes, it will be made, made very clear. And look, it's evident the, vi- the spread of the virus continues. The government will 
take action to limit this spread. But currently, the, the government wants to minimise the social and economic impacts. There is a very real consideration of closing edu- educational settings, so uh, unis and schools, and that is part of the delay phase. And the But the effectiveness of these actions will need to be balanced against their social and economic impact. You know, there's a big worry that if we go to this delay phase too early, then people are going to, later down the line become a bit blase about it and think oh like i've been i've been in i've been in isolation for so long now i don't need to do it anymore we're actually it's later down the line when the the cases are higher where people are more at risk so again i would say if the government do enact these sorts of measures just just use your common sense and be sensible about it you know if you're feeling ill again like this is just a lot of this is just down to common sense and using and just being sensible guys like it really isn't difficult you know if you're feeling ill just be extra cautious, you know, and just, you know, maybe limit going outside or if you're unwell, just stay in your room or just, again, alert authorities or just call or do some research if you're unsure. Interestingly, just so you guys are aware, uh, there's actually been new regulation state, uh, kind of enacted that states that medical professionals, public health professionals and also police are allowed to d- detain you and direct individuals to quarantine who are at risk or are suspected of having the virus. So if you if you think you have the virus and you're just going about your daily life and health professionals think you do that and you're putting others at risk, you can be detained. Like they can forcefully quarantine you. So just be aware, like no one wants to be forcibly quarantined. So if you are if you think you do have it or you're at risk, again, just just use common sense. So all of the information given was uh, provided and researched by the following institutions and I will share links to each of their websites and where you can find more information. So this included the World Health Organization, the John Hopkins University, the UK government COVID-19 report and which was supported by the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies, the New and Emerging Respiratory Virus Threats Advisory Group, the Advisory Committee on Dangerous Pathogens, the Scientific Pandemic Influenza Group on Modelling and the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation. So what I want to just kind of reiterate is that a lot of you may be thinking, oh, this this virus is nothing compared to compared to other influenzas. We're all kind of the media's hyping it up and we're all kind of taking it too seriously. Um, and the thing I would say is just with everything, just listen to the senior officials and the professionals if they're saying this is as bad as it is then the chances are it is as bad as it is and look medical professionals are not the type of people who would overstate the severity of something in fact a lot of the time they understate it so the fact that people are taking this view and professionals are you know being this cautious and kind of trying to promote the severity of it in this way does I think highlight how how you know how much damage this this virus could do and you know we we, we don't know going forward what it could be like but I think we have an idea that over the coming weeks there's going to be a large shutdown of you know institutions educational settings you know our day-to-day lives will change so with that in mind, you know, we've gone through all the stats. Um, so now actually I want to just talk a little bit about how this is going to affect us as young adults. First, I want to talk about more on a day-to-day basis. So as I stated previously, the government has told us to carry on with our day-to-day lives, you know, going to work, university, school, etc. if you are healthy. But if you are worried you have symptoms or have been in contact with someone who has the virus, it is recommended to self-isolate. And of course, if you're further worried that you could actually have the virus, you should call 111 and they will advise you further. For many of us now, we are being much more attentive with our health and, you know, what we're doing. So, you know, washing our hands, minimising physical contact. And that is a good place to start, you know, staying at home, etc. But how is this going to affect our money? So for the majority of us, it is unlikely to change a lot, a massive amount, but it it can be important to consider how the coming weeks your spending could change because as i said you know there could be times where we have the government kind of enforce certain rules and 
we're going to have to change our day-to-day lives. So currently, a lot of us may be spending more on health products, so you know, soap, tissues, antibacterial, etc. We might be spending more on food and like other necessities just to make sure going forward we're okay. And therefore, you may be spending more money, uh, so you may be taking on higher costs. In contrast, you may also be spending less. You know, I've heard a lot of people who are working from home, so they're spending, they're saving money on travel. Um, holidays might be postponed, so you might, if you're thinking about booking a holiday, you might be holding that off, so you have more money there. So actually, you may in fact have more money in your account. And this is this plays a big part when you're thinking about budgeting, because however you do it, budgeting is going to be quite important over the next few weeks and months and how you address your budgeting needs. So with this in mind, it is, is it important to keep an eye on your expenses and also your saved money? And you may have to slightly alter your budget, you know, for the current situation that's going on. I think there are many ways that the coronavirus or COVID-19 could affect our plans going forward. And I think one of the biggest impacts will be the impact on potential earning. So for many people, two weeks off work for self-isolation and the potential further time spent quarantined, if you're unlucky to contract the virus, could be very damaging to your monthly earnings and your monthly budget. As I said, currently I know a lot of people who are working from home, not due to self-isolation, but just due to companies wanting to prevent further transmission. And luckily, this shouldn't impact your earning if your company is advising you to work from home. So if your company suggests or tells you to work from home, they're obviously still going to pay you and they're still going to pay your full salary or hourly rate. And actually, given your lack of travel expenses, you know, given the fact that you won't be buying lunch every day, you are you, there is a possibility you actually could save money during this time. So with this, you know, if you have a budget set for this month and you're likely to save more than first thought, you know, just think about what you could do with that spare money. You know, I would suggest, you know, do whatever you like with it. You know, if you have certain financial goals like paying off a debt, perhaps you could put the money towards that. You know, perhaps you could put it towards your mortgage repayments or you could put it towards a loan you borrowed. Or perhaps you could put it towards your savings goals. So, you know, if you're saving for a holiday later in the year, you could add the money saved from this week or the next couple of weeks into that savings pot. It really is completely up to you. But do just make sure you allocate the spare money to one of your goals or kind of your day-to-day support during the coronavirus and not something random. Again, like if you're spending more, it's important to offset that additional cost by reducing spending elsewhere. So, you know, if you are buying more uh, soap or you're buying more toilet roll, you're going to have to, and you want to keep to your budget, you're going to have to um, compromise elsewhere. So that might be going on less nights out or eating out eating out less you know just limiting your spending elsewhere to offset the spending you're doing in other departments but again with everything just make sure it's tailored to your personal situation and what's going on with your life at the moment a big part of again going back to kind of our our earning and our kind of monthly earnings and our weekly earnings budgeting relies solely on that like you can't budget if you don't have any money coming in And I think for a lot of people, there is a lot of uncertainty currently as to whether you will be paid for being sick or like if you're self-isolated. So it's important to discuss the topic of sick pay in quite a bit of detail. So that's what I'm going to go into next. Due to the very high possibility of many of us having to self-isolate in the future, it's important to identify your rights and more specifically your rights to sick pay while you're off. So each company has specific rules around sick pay and it's important to many of us that we're not punished for being sensible. Even if we have to self-isolate, many of us will not actually contract the virus, but it is a preventative isolation to minimise the transmission. So what are your rights to sick pay? Sick pay is provided individually by private companies and varies between each individual company. There's also statutory sick pay, which is provided by the government and and which is one of the main talking points at the moment. Private firms cannot pay less than the value of statutory sick pay. And if they pay more, it's called occupational sick pay. So a lot of us who are getting paid, you know, a regular salary, the chances are your sick pay will be, your occupational sick pay will be based on that salary. 
your, el your eligibility and the amount of pay you receive will be outlined in your contract. So if you're unsure about it, go back and have a look in your contract and have a look at the suggestion for sick pay. If your firm doesn't have a sick pay scheme, you can receive what's called statutory sick pay from the government. Statutory sick pay, or SSP, provides £94.25 per week if you are too ill to work. It is paid by your employer for up to 28 weeks, but luckily and hopefully we won't be sick for that long. You need to qualify for statutory sick pay, and traditionally you have to have been off work for four days. But as of yesterday, during the budget, the government announced that they would provide statutory sick pay from day one of you being ill. Likewise, the government also said that even if you aren't ill and you just have to self-isolate, you will also be compensated with statutory sick pay for that. You qualify for statutory sick pay if you are classed as an employee and have done some work for your employer, have been ill for at least four days in a row. However, this has now been, for the coronavirus, this has now been changed to one. And you earn an average of at least £118 per week. Agency workers are not entitled to statutory sick pay. However, for business owners and self-employed self -employed, uh, people, the government also announced yesterday that they would be providing statutory sick pay for them. So if you don't are not traditionally eligible for statutory sick pay, the government have announced that they will be providing you with the support for that. So now we've spoken a little bit about how our earnings and our income may be affected by coronavirus. Let's have a look at other key parts of our personal finance which will be affected. First of all, savings. So one of this is one of the largest parts of our personal finance and you know we keep away keep our money saved away to achieve our financial goals, be it saving for an emergency fund, for a holiday, for a house deposit, so on. You know, we each have our own personal finance goals in which we save for. The vehicles which we use for savings vary in many ways, but they're predominantly focused on savings accounts and ISAs, so individual savings accounts. Yesterday, so the 11th of March, the Bank of England announced that they were cutting the base rate from 0.75% to 0.25%. As I've mentioned before, and if you check out our interest jargon buster on our Instagram page, you will learn that central banks tend to lower the base rate to boost the economy. They do this as it encourages us to spend our money as savings as saving our money gives us very little returns. And in this specific incident, in this specific uh, case, while they well, the reason they've lowered it is to boost uh, borrowing for smaller companies. So because small companies and small to medium enterprises are the ones who are likely to be most affected by the coronavirus, the Bank of England have you know, provided them with support that says, you know, we want you to be able to borrow money cheaply in order to, you know, keep up, keep up with, keep up your economic activity. You know, the base rate cut was mostly done to help mitigate the risk of economic damage caused by the coronavirus. But doing by doing this, it could impact us going forward, as by cutting the base rate, banks may lower savings rates offered to its customers. This means that per year, we will earn less interest on our saved money. A number of high street banks actually confirmed they were lowering rates in the next couple of months, even before this rate cut was made. So I think they already had they already had an inkling that it was going to be cut. But it would not surprise me if many other banks follow suit. So if you hold a savings account or an ISA, save, or an ISA account, pay attention to like any notifications or emails because they're likely to inform you as to whether this rate cut will be applied to your savings account. While it may seem all doom and gloom, there are actually some benefits to a rate cut. If you borrow money at a fixed rate, e.g. you know, if you have a fixed rate mortgage or a fixed rate personal loan, your interest rate won't change. Likewise, with many short-term loans, such as personal loans, they generally operate a fixed interest rate or fixed term agreements, so this rate change will not change the interest you you pay. In contrast, however, if you have borrowed money at a variable rate and you have, so for example, if you have a variable rate mortgage or a variable rate personal loan, your rate is likely to decrease with the announcement of the rate cut. What I would say for this is just make sure you're aware of your interest payments 
and how they will change given a rate cut and whether they do change and whether you know exactly what your interest rate is. As I said, the main issue with this is that our it will affect our savings rates. But again, there's further positives to, you know, a rate cut. A lower base rate allows us to borrow money cheaper. This means that personal loans we take out, credit cards and mortgages will be offered with a lowered interest rate. Now, I'm going to just add a bit of caution and I say they should change, but because a lot of the time banks are quite quick at lowering savings rates, but are not so quick at implementing changes to your borrowing costs and unfortunately there isn't a lot we can do about that as they set the rates in their products as well as this a cut a cut in rates generally causes financial markets to rally however unfortunately this isn't one of those times you know as i said the rate cut this time was more about providing uh, support for smaller businesses and uh, mark carney who's the governor of the bank of england you know said that the rate cut is to provide small businesses and companies with the ability to borrow at a lower cost so if you are a small business owner hopefully this and the budget announced yesterday gives you some hope that you know your costs are reduced and slightly covered another large part of personal finance is the investing side of our personal finance and i know for a lot of people you may not be thinking about investing yet but boy have we had a tough week for those of you who do hold investments i apologize for the way your investments have fallen so i'm gonna talk briefly talk about financial markets and how coronavirus has affected them and in in kind of tune how they've affected our our kind of investing so in the last two weeks the global stock markets have lost a lot of value due to the global economic impact of COVID-19. There are, of course, uh, and there have, of course, been other macroeconomic factors that have influenced this fall. For example, a, a large fall in the oil price, which is a barometer for economic growth. So it's kind of, they've kind of one in the same. So, so for those of you who don't know, the FTSE 100 is a index on the London Stock Exchange, which lists the biggest largest 100 companies in the UK and over the last month so from February 12th to yesterday so February uh, March 11th it fell 18.52% and as of this morning it has fallen another 6% just this morning so you know we're taking some heavy hits in terms of um, our investments and the reason you know investments like this fall is because investors pull their money out of uh, invest kind of companies because they're worried that you know they're not going to grow as much and so as I said the FTSE 100 constitutes the 100 largest companies and so what this fall represents is that investors don't have faith in the growth of these companies and so they're moving their money elsewhere you know to other you know investments so that's the FTSE 100 which is a UK index the S&P 500, which is an American index, is the 500 largest uh, companies in America. And as of the 11th of March, this had fallen 17.78%. The Hang Seng, which is an index in Hong Kong, has fallen 8.3%. And the Nikkei, which is a Japanese index, has fallen 17.7%. Therefore, for many of us who hold security investments, specifically, so these are specifically equity investments, the value of those investments probably have fallen. Perhaps not as much by uh, as these indices. So if you own, you know, if you hold a number of specific companies, they might not have fallen as much, but they will have fallen. Now, I appreciate everyone invests for different reasons, but I think the most important thing to emphasize is that when you're investing, you should always be thinking long-term and you should always have in your mind the long-term financial decisions you're thinking about when investing. With this in mind, it is the general opinion of many people and I've spoken to you know, many advisors who are doing a lot of work at the moment trying to reassure their clients that we should not panic at the moment and we should not rush to withdraw our money from these investments. You know, Whenever you're investing, you should be thinking at least in a medium to long-term horizon, which is anywhere from five years to 30 years. So 
obviously right now it's not great and it doesn't look pretty and there's lots of red but you know you just got to hold tight and I think these times are really important because they highlight you know how we act in terms of volatility they also um, highlight the importance of us understanding our risk appetite and also our capacity for loss so this is you know a, a very emotional thing and your capacity to loss basically identifies how much from a financial standpoint how much you are able to lose without it affecting your day-to-day life so if you say hold a thousand pounds in the stock market and you've you it's fallen 18 percent, that means you've lost 20 you know eight, you've lost 18 pounds of your investment you know are you able to you know is that okay like can you financially and also psychologically deal with that loss and these are the sorts of questions you need to ask yourself especially when you're getting into investing and I know we haven't delved into investing too much on this show yet because it's you know it's not the most important thing when thinking about your personal finance but we will definitely go into much more detail on investing in general and look at it in a much um, more detailed episode so look out for that but it's definitely something I couldn't ignore because of how much it's being impacted by coronavirus and what's going on at the moment so look about and before i finish i just want to reiterate one more thing while while um there is so much more to our lives that can be and will be affected by coronavirus currently and while it is important to talk about our personal finance and you know this is a personal finance show so obviously i'm going to address that issue I'm sure for a lot of us, it's not our top priority. But what I would say is, during times like this, try not to lose your focus on your personal finance and more importantly, your financial goals. I know for a lot of us, this is going to affect us in various ways and it's going to hit us hard in what you know what we've spoken about. It's going to affect our budgeting. It's going to affect our saving. It's going to affect our investments. But you know, it's times like this where our ability to be flexible and our ability to be adaptable and to adapt to changing situations is so important and you know I've spoken previously about how important flexibility is in your personal finance um, and look while it is important to encourage this and encourage you know keeping track of your finances obviously and most importantly the number one priority of this time is the health and safety of yourself your friends your family and the wider community you know, if you if you find yourself going over budget or dipping into your savings in order to keep healthy and to remain safe, then that is what you should be doing. And I would never suggest anything else. You know, like most of what we've spoken about, managing these sorts of issues comes down to being sensible and using your common sense. And you know, if you if it if it's a case of dipping into your savings to have to cover medical insurance, then you're going to have to do it and I wouldn't as I said I would never suggest otherwise so look we've discussed you know how the virus could impact our personal finance and we've addressed the the main topics of within personal finance of spending you know saving budgeting and investments so I feel like this is a good place to stop um yeah I, I hope this has given you clear information on the virus especially the first half of the show you know I really wanted to get across the key stats currently you know, especially things like the fatality rate and, you know, the kind of survival rates and those sorts of things. You read so many different figures in the news. So I think it's important to get across clear facts. And look, I have no doubt that as a nation, as a country and globally, we're going to be able to get through this pandemic. But unfortunately, and what I've been saying to many people for a while now is that it's only going to get worse before it gets better. You know, we're going to face stricter rules on what we can do on a day-to-day basis. As I said, we're likely to move to the next phase of um, the planning. So we're going to move to the delay, to the delay phase, which means football games are going to get cancelled. So Premier League matches will be played behind closed doors. We won't, like, music events might be shut down, you know, all those sorts of things. Club nights might be shut down. So... It's going to get more difficult before it gets easier, but it's just about being patient and understanding that the only way we're going to combat this virus is by working together and working as a community. 
So, you know, just be aware of announcements, warnings and any advice given by our government and supporting institutions. You know, if you're work, if you work in a big office, you know, a lot of my friends have already been sent home or sorry, been recommended to stay at home to prevent transmission. If you have to self-isolate, really, really do self-isolate. You know, one of my friends has just spent two weeks self-isolating and he literally didn't leave his house. And that's what you need to do. Like he just minimized contact with people because even if you don't catch symptoms, you, there's no point risking risking it. Um, and yeah, again, guys, just use your common sense and be sensible. But look, so I'm going to stop it there. I In the show notes, I'm going to provide all the um, sources and all the websites that I use to find out the information and also places where I think you guys can benefit from getting key information on the virus and this includes the nhs website the government website the world health organized web world health organization website and also the john hopkins university website um there's also a really good podcast provided by the bbc which gives updates on the coronavirus and you just have to search in if you just type in coronavirus bbc into your podcast platform it'll i'm sure it'll come up likewise the bbc have also got a dedicated web page on their news news site now providing constant updates on the virus and look these are the main information sources i would use you know ignore as much as you can what you read on social media because misinformation on there is spreading like wildfire and you know try to ignore people's opinions this kind of virus doesn't take sides and it doesn't you know take sides with people's opinions and neither should you always rely on proven evidence and the factual information that's been given if you found this information useful or you have more questions, get in touch with us. I'll share our email. I'll share our Instagram uh, handle below in the show notes. And finally, guys, if you, again, if you found it in, in, insightful and you want to share this with people and you want to kind of raise awareness of the issue, I would really appreciate it. And we would really appreciate it if you left a review. Uh, the more people that see this can find out this information and really just understand the facts about coronavirus and also how it's going to affect your money so any reviews would be greatly appreciated but that's enough guys um you know stay be sensible stay safe and just look out for everyone and i'll chat to you guys again on monday